Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks for joining me. This is a very fresh episode of the podcast, just coming off Packers OTAs. Just had the opportunity to attend over at the Don Hudson Center. This is the first session that was open to the media, the second OTA session this week for Green Bay. And first of all, just awesome to get back out at OTAs and see the Packers practicing again, the first OTA of the Jordan Love era, which was, of course, very cool. And I want to just say, first of all, that But we're going to go over all the takeaways and all the big stuff, all the little stuff, all the in-between stuff. This is what we do. If you are following this show, if you are following me, you know we're going to nerd out about everything Green Bay Packers. We do this 365 days a year, sometimes more than two episodes a day, whatever it takes, right? But just remember, this is OTAs. There's no pads. It's not mandatory. Nobody's winning any starting jobs today. It was just, it was, a, it was no matter what, it was fun to see everyone out there. It was awesome to see the Packers practicing. There did seem to be a little bit more energy with the first Jordan Love era practice. All of it was great. It was fun, but don't take anything too, too seriously, right? Nothing is going to get changed in one day at an OTA session. But that being said, let's nerd out over absolutely everything. First of all, those who are not present. And remember, these are not mandatory. So nobody is required to attend these in any capacity. So the players that were not in attendance, Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Preston Smith, Dallin Levitt, and um, Jonathan Garvin. Those were the seven that were not present for the Packers. Now, the first thing I'll say here is we don't know anything as to why, right? So all seven could have extremely legitimate reasons why they were not there. Also, as I mentioned, none of them need any legitimate reasons not to be there. They don't have to go. It's OTAs. It's not mandatory. And overall, I would say 83 out of 90 players at an OTA session, extremely good attendance. So you love to see that for Green Bay. The interesting one always is Jonathan Garvin. Jonathan Garvin wasn't at any of the non-mandatory stuff that we were available for a year ago. He wasn't at them this year now. And the the first one that was open to the public or open to the media. So I don't get it. It, You know, if, if it were me and I was Jonathan Garvin, I would probably make sure to get 
get to those. But hey, he made the roster last year again. And like I said, we don't know any. He could have a very serious reason as to not being there. Maybe he just doesn't want to. I don't know. But uh, just that's always the interesting one to me. But the other ones, again, Dallin Levitt, Preston Smith, Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, Razul Douglas, and Jair Alexander. Certainly left them a little bit thin at corner with Eric Stokes not practicing, Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander not there. We got to see a little bit of a different look at corner. But outside of that, no major news from anyone that was or wasn't attending other than the fact that Green Bay had 83 out of their 90 possible players there and in attendance. Also, Green Bay uh, released tight end Nick Gugamis and signed wide receiver Jadakis Bonds. So that was one other roster move as Green Bay keeps their 90-man roster intact just with one less tight end and with one additional wide receiver. Speaking of Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, or at least Eric Stokes who I talked about, but Eric Stokes and Rashawn Gary, both of them remember coming back from pretty significant injuries. I thought both of them, uh, I was I was excited to see both of them just doing warm-ups and both of them were doing you know work with the trainers on the outside. That was just really good to see. Both of them looked really good. Uh, Eric Stokes was backpedaling, you know, at, you know, for a corner. Like that's that's a great thing at this point. Coming off what it sounds like was a pretty significant injury, Rashawn Gary coming off an ACL, he looked really good. I am no doctor. I have no idea. I have no idea about anything medical. Uh, David Bakhtiari going back to like after like the year he sat out the entire season, going back to like that, um, like training camp and stuff, like some of the stuff he was doing off to the side, I thought he looked pretty darn good and he didn't end up basically playing that entire year. So take this for what it's worth. But it was awesome to see Stokes and Gary doing something, even if it's work to the side, even if it's warming up with the team, even if it's just backpedaling for Eric Stokes. I thought both of them looked like they were in great shape. I thought both of them were moving extremely well. There was no noticeable, you know, hitch or anything in any of their movement. It, it just looked good. So take that for what it's worth. It doesn't mean anything. They could all, you know, both of them could miss time going into the regular season. Both of them could be back sooner. We have no idea, but it was awesome to see both of them out there, but neither, of course, you know, practicing in any official capacity outside of doing some work to the side with trainers. Other players who missed due to injury, at least I'm assuming so, uh, Jake Hansen was off to the side with trainers. Lou Nichols and Jeff Cotton were in the Don Hudson Center working with trainers. Uh, Gene DeLance was to the side. Grant DuBose looked like he wasn't doing anything. And then Quay Walker looked like at some point he went out with an injury. He had a pretty noticeable limp off to the side. So not sure if he had some sort of injury or what ultimately, you know, obviously had some sort of injury. Not sure if it was anything serious or if they're just being precautious, but he did have a pretty, you know, I wouldn't say significant, but noticeable limp to the side and uh, he did not finish practice. So uh, hopefully we get good news there. Hopefully it's nothing major. Hopefully by the time training camp and stuff comes around, he'll be totally fine. Maybe even before then, who knows, but that is one to note moving forward that Quay Walker did seem like he did have some sort of injury as practice went on. So again, Hanson, Nichols, Cotton, DeLance, Dubose, uh, Quay Walker, and then of course you had Gary and Stokes as well that were you know not working in some capacity. All right, let's talk about the good stuff. So Jordan Love, of course, everyone's going to want to talk about him. What did he do? What did he accomplish? Was he awesome? Was he bad? Was he terrible? Whatever. So it was, I would say, a tough day for the offense as a whole. And that's not anything new. This is the time of year where, I don't know, even Aaron Rodgers at this time of year and this you know, Packers offense is usually behind the defense at this point. So nothing terribly new here. I thought the Packers defense won the day as a whole. Take that again for what it's worth. Uh, but love started slow. Oh, actually, let me take that back. In individual drills, I thought Love looked fantastic. He uncorked a, a deep pass down the field. I think it was Dontavian Wicks, like 65 yards in air, like 
on the run, perfectly in stride. It's just against no defense, just on air. So it's not like super crazy, but it was a beautiful ball. I thought he was ripping the ball well. Like everything looked good in just sort of like individual stuff and everything like that. And then the first team drills come along and it was a struggle for the offense and multiple balls batted at the line of scrimmage. You had uh, you know, a pass breakup. You had uh, a drop by Aaron Jones, a drop by uh, AJ Dillon down the sideline, which we'll talk about. But overall, you know, it, like I said, it was just a sort of a struggle for the offense. As far as from a Jordan Love standpoint, I thought there were a couple things. A, there was only one, I thought, poor decision that he made. There was a play he was trying to hit. I think it was Musgrave over the middle, and he did not read Devondre Campbell at all. Campbell baited him and then cut underneath the pass. Should have had a pick. It hit Campbell in the hands, and ultimately he dropped it, and it fell incomplete. But that should have been an interception for Jordan Love. Outside of that, I didn't see anything where it's like, man, he's got to rip. You know, he's got to get rid of the ball or anything like that. It just there wasn't a ton of opportunity for the offense. I didn't think Jordan had a ton of opportunities out there. As mentioned, Aaron Jones had a drop along the sidelines. His best ball of the day was a ball where Dylan came out of the backfield, beat the linebacker on a little bit of a, a wheel route down the sideline, had a step on him. Jordan Love dropped it into a bucket and made sure that it was only where AJ Dylan could catch it back in the end zone, hits Dylan right in the hands, clanks off the hands and falls incomplete. That's nothing that Jordan Love can do anything about. It's a beautiful ball. I guess that was his best ball of the day. It's going to count as an incompletion, but he did nothing, absolutely nothing wrong on the play. In fact, like I said, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous ball from Jordan. There's another play that you may have saw on Twitter that everyone tweeted out where he threw in a triple coverage and was a wobbling pass and it it fell and, and Keandre Thomas batted it away. That's true. That's All of that is true. However, I was actually standing on the far end of the field and I swear to you, right as Love uncorks that ball, you have a, like a literal gust of wind that takes place and you could tell like Jordan like threw it and the ball just got basically batted down by the wind and air. It held up in the air. All three defenders converged on it. Watson actually had a little bit of a step on a play and maybe an opportunity to make a play on the ball or at least more of like a one-on-one opportunity. And just ball got knocked down by the wind. Three players converge on it. It ultimately ends up looking like a bad throw into triple coverage and a, and a batted away ball by Keandre Thomas. But the wind absolutely played a factor on that play. Yeah, maybe something that maybe Love could have judged. I don't know. Like I said, it literally, I felt it hit right as the ball was being thrown. I don't know if there's anything Jordan could have done about it. Uh, so what else did we have here? We we mentioned the throw to AJ Dillon. It was a gorgeous ball down the sideline. And then at the end, I thought he really settled down, had some red zone touchdowns to almost all of his wide receivers. He had a dart to Christian Watson on a post in the back of the end zone. Really nice tight throw uh, to Romeo Dobbs on a little out route in between coverage where only Romeo could get it. Romeo turned up field, got in the end zone, had a play where he rolled out to the sideline and then hit Jaden Reed. I thought Reed got in the end zone. I think uh, Bill Hilbert maybe thought that he didn't get in the end zone. It doesn't matter. It's basically the same play either way, but nice job escaping, going to his right and then hitting Jaden Reed. Had another play... Uh, so what, Dobbs, Watt, and then Toure at the end had a really nice touchdown catch as well from Jordan Love. So it started really slow. A lot of pass break or batted down at the line of scrimmage. TJ Slayton had one. Keyshawn Nixon had one. There was another one as well. A lot of, a lot of throws that were batted down. Like I said, two drop passes. So there, there were some things that just didn't ultimately click. But Jordan had, I thought, the opportunities there. And some just, again, some were just batted down. A couple were dropped. A couple really nice touchdowns and one near interception on the play. But overall, solid day from Jordan. No major takeaways. Only the one really bad pass that Campbell should have picked off that he didn't read correctly. But you hope that he just learns from that. Ultimately, uh, 6 of 16 on the day with three tip balls, 
two drops, one near pick. That was per Rob Domofsky. Rob had only one drop in his tweet, but uh, I know for sure Jones and Dylan both had one. So I would put two drops uh, on there. So what? If you take away the three tip balls at the line of scrimmage, which Jordan does have some responsibility of, but it's six of what, 13. The two drops is now what, eight of 13. And then the, there was the ball that got you know batted down by the wind, basically. I don't know. No major takeaways from Jordan here is what I would ultimately say. Some good, some bad. I, I would agree with what Matt LaFleur said in his post-practice press conference where he said a lot of good things, a lot to clean up. I mean, I think that's fair for the overall evaluation of Jordan Love on the day. But for a first practice uh, that was open to the public for Jordan Love in his first you know, OTA, uh, I, thought he, I thought he was fine. Not, like I said, no major takeaways. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses, and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly, and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them, and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. All right, some other stuff. Yash Nyman was the left tackle for the day with David Bakhtiari being out. Royce Newman was at left guard with Elton Jenkins being out or gone, I should say. Uh, Josh Myers was at center, John Runyon Jr. at right guard, and then Zach Tom was at right tackle. At the corner position, Corey Ballantyne, Keandre Thomas, and Keyshawn Nixon were working with the ones on defense. Uh, Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage working with the ones at safety. At wide receiver, you could tell that Dobbs and Watson were basically the ones, and then Toure and Jaden Reed were sort of rotating with the ones. Lucas Van Ness was working with the twos. Luke Musgrave was working with the like tight ends as the, the true number one tight end. Colby Wooden was actually getting some snaps with the ones and rotating in at that position. 
Sean Ryan got a little bit of work at center. Zach Tom spent some time at right guard as well as right tackle. And then when the teams ultimately separated into going to like uh, one on one, I should say 11 on 11s, the starting offense on the very first snap was Jordan Love at quarterback, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones at running back, DeGuara at tight end, Watson and Dobbs at wide receiver with Yash, Royce, Myers, John Runyon Jr. and Zach Tom along the offensive line. And then on defense, it was Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton on defense with Kingsley and Igbari and Justin Hollins at the edge, Devondre Campbell and Isaiah McDuffie at inside linebacker with Quay going out due to the injury, Valentine Thomas and Nixon at corner with Ford and Savage at safety. As mentioned, thought the defense dominated most of the day. Keyshawn Nixon had a really nice day. He blitzed off of a uh, you know nickel or slot blitz. Jordan Love came on a bootleg and uh, tried to throw it and Nixon batted it down. There was also a play where uh, Love tried to hit Watson down the sideline. I don't know if it was like a little wheel route out of the slot, but whatever it was, Nixon was with him step for step. Watson threw it, or excuse me, Love threw it down to Watson. Watson tried to out jump Keyshawn Nixon for it. Nixon was having none of it, held his ground. I don't know if he either broke up the ball or just gave Watson no chance at it, but ball ultimately fell incomplete. was fantastic. Beautiful, gorgeous coverage by Nixon. Not only stride for stride with Christian Watson, which is not an easy thing to do, but also got his head turned. No pass interference on the play. Didn't get grabby. Just really, really nice stuff from Keyshawn Nixon. Meanwhile, Nixon's energy on defense was fantastic. And I thought this was a really good practice overall with good energy to it on both sides of the ball. There was one point where Matt LaFleur got his offense and defense together. It was just kind of like, just like the group that was on the field, it wasn't everyone. And it, I don't know, it felt like maybe like things were almost getting a little too intense. I, I couldn't tell what exactly his coaching points were. Everyone was, I think, kind of wondering, but it looked like maybe it was like things were almost getting too intense. And, and like there were some handshakes after the fact, but overall, I thought the energy was great. And Keyshawn Nixon was one of the ones consistently bringing that energy. He's going to have a, a contagious attitude on that defense in the nickel and in the slot if he continues to get playing time there. We'll see what happens when Stokes comes back, but he's he's going to have an impact there just based on his infectious personality and intensity. I can guarantee you that right now. I thought Ladarius Hamilton had a really nice day as well. A couple pressures off the edge. Speaking of pressures off the edge, Lucas Van Ness had a couple really nice plays as well. And you can just tell, like the, I mentioned this in my breakdown of him when I when I broke down all his tape and did the deep dive, but there are plays, especially if he's unblocked or even as like an offensive tackle, where if he gets a running start, this dude is just a freak athletically. He's like 6'5 plus, 275 pounds. He's built, he's running at you as fast as you can possibly imagine. And like you just are, it's, it's, I'm watching it live right in front of me. It is so intimidating. Like you can just tell. So I forget which quarterback it was. I, I don't know. I think it was maybe, I think it was Etling uh, that came off of a bootleg. And Van Ness is clean. He doesn't get blocked on the play. And if, if you're not blocked on the play, yes, you should be able to go make a play. But I am telling you, Van Ness is coming at him fast. He is tall, 6'5", arms up, so you can't really throw over him. Like you, you're worried that he's gonna maybe tip that up and and pick it off, and like you're like just panicked because like what the heck do you do? This guy's coming at me full force. He's huge. He's six five, three, you know, two seventy five, and it is an impressive thing to see. And that was super exciting just to see that live, like in it translate over from the college tape and watching it on the all 22 to see it live in person. It's like, oh yeah, he is a freak and he has you know some intensity to him. He also had a play where he bull rushed Caleb Jones right back into the quarterback. So Lucas Van Ness certainly made his presence known. 
Um, AJ Dillon, one of the things that he, uh, I think he retweeted, somebody was calling him out for getting, you know, tackled around the ankles too often or something like that. He said he knows he needs to be more explosive. You know, he needs to be a bigger playmaker, something to that extent. Well, he had a play in the backfield where he he did a little like jump cut and juke, a little bit of wiggle to him. Uh, that's not something we've seen a lot from an AJ Dillon. It looked good. He looked pretty spry. He still looked big and powerful, but he looked pretty sp- you know spry in the play. Did have the the drop in the end zone, but came back to play later. Had a draw play up the middle. It was able to get through everything and exploded for I don't know maybe like a 12, 13 yard touchdown up the middle uh, of the field. So nice play by Dillon there. I thought Jaden Reed looked really really good. He had a really nice quick slant play over the middle, looked explosive, and then forgot the ball. Ball's on the ground. Defense picks it up. Interesting coaching point in the play. Jaden Reed went to go recover the fumble, and LaFleur immediately reminded the offense, if there's a fumble, he doesn't want anyone on the offense diving after the ball or going after it. It's the defense's ball at that point. They're going to pick it up and rally to the football and go after it. He doesn't want collisions or people diving and limbs everywhere. And it's really, really smart, but I never thought of it that way. So in practice, if you see a player who has a fumble and they didn't go after it, it's because they're coached that way because they don't want any injuries to happen. Once you put it on the ground, it's the defense's ball. Jaden Reed got pulled out after that, had to do some push-ups for the fumble. He'll learn from it. He looked really, really good on the day outside of forgetting the ball on one specific play. Patrick Taylor had a couple of really nice runs, uh, up the, uh, both of them up, up the middle. He looked pretty spry as well. Uh, he, it's going to be a, a when, you know, with them drafting Lou Nichols in the seventh round, Tyler Goodson's still there and that dude practices hard every single practice, but Patrick Taylor is going to be in that fight for that number three running back spot. Good catcher out of the backfield. He's had some run at the running back position. He's been on the active roster. You know, he can do a lot of different things. He can pass protect for you. So he's going to be in that conversation as well, but he had a nice day. Colby Wooden, I thought was very active on defense. You know, he was rallying to the football consistently and constantly, which you love to see. Didn't see any like specific play where he got a ton of pressure, but you could just see him playing fast and rallying to the football, which is really, really nice. Dontavian Wicks had a couple really nice catches on the day, and uh, I thought he made his presence known. As I mentioned, he had that deep pass just in, against air uh, from Jordan Love, uh, but also uh, had a couple nice receptions in, in team periods. Did have a play where he caught a pass, and then like the play was blown dead, and then the defender knocked it away, and he like you know you could just tell there was like a little pushing afterwards or whatever. But he got taken out of the play they because they, he didn't hold on to the ball. They're like, hey, go sit down. And he was trying to say like, hey, the play was over. Malafleur was having none of it. He did not care. He wanted him to you know, secure the ball through the play, sent it to the sideline, and he had to, to wait to see the field again for another play. Like I said, overall, really good energy to practice. Defense, I thought, won the day. Offense settled down late. Some really nice red zone conversions to end the day, which I think gave the offense a little bit of momentum, hopefully going into the rest of the OTA sessions. Love seeing 83 of the 90 players there. Love seeing Eric Stokes and Rashawn Gary you know, out there doing some work in some capacity, even if it was off to the side, even if it's with trainers. Uh, just overall, love to see that, that they weren't just you know completely sequestered and not able to do anything. So that was a good sign. Jordan Love, some ups, some downs, but mostly a nondescript day. That's how I would kind of describe it as a whole. Mostly nondescript. Lucas Van Ness, really nice day. His uh, his raw athletic ability jumped off the, the field. So a lot of good things, a lot of things to like. Um, some good takeaways, some bad takeaways, but such is the life uh, of a first OTA that's open to the media, second OTA uh, that they had this week. And uh, for a very young team, you can expect some of those ups and downs, not only in OTAs, but in mini camps, training camps, preseason, regular season, and beyond. So it's going to probably be a little bit of that, you know, throughout the season. Some ups, some downs, some good, some bad, some things that you can point to and say, wow, that looked really good. Some other things were like, oh yeah, this is still a really young team. That is a lot of work to do if they want to compete at the highest 
levels in the NFL right now. Overall, great to be back at practice. Really fun day uh, to be out at, at uh, you know, not quite 1265, but at least at Don Hudson Center. Gorgeous, beautiful day. Packers practicing. What more could you want? Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe. I'm going to try to do these after as many practices as I can, certainly for training camp practices as well. So hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're notified anytime a new episode comes out. It's not just going to be 5 a.m. every morning. Like I said, I may be doing some of these more sporadically as time goes on as well. So make sure you're notified when they come out. Appreciate you guys as always, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.